It was a celebration of, of love and family for me and this family that certainly loves to live and laugh. And, and so I wanted to sort of do my best to bring, bring that you know, out into the, for everyone to, to see. I mean, it's a real inspiration too for me, I, I feel like. Welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. In this episode, a young woman navigates life with her unusual family in director Matt Smuckler's comedic drama, Wildflower. Based on a true story about his extended family that inspired a documentary of the same name, Smuckler's film centers on B, the daughter of two intellectually disabled parents and a set of her relatives that can't quite agree on the best way to help. Wildflower is Smuckler's feature directorial debut. Following a screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Smuckler spoke with director Will Speck about filming Wildflower. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. Hi guys, hi Matt. If anybody wants to come down, there's so, there's so much space between us and um, we can cozy up. So feel free to move. Um, congratulations. Uh, well, thank you. This is such a treat. <laughs> I know. it's so. Uh, well, first of all, the great thing about seeing your movie at the DGA is it never looks better, and it's so hard to see it anywhere else. So, all, all, by the way, thank you to the projectionist and also the DGA for doing such a nice job because um, it's an unbelievable screening uh, situation. And by the way, to see a movie theatrically, we, I was talking to you about this earlier, as a comedy, I mean, it makes such a difference because I saw it at home and seeing it here, and I can imagine, have you been, it opened this weekend, right? Yes, it did, it just opened, just in, in uh, this was, I guess, the US premiere, which was yesterday. Yeah, no, it was so, it's so amazing to see it in a theater, and especially this one is. Have you had a chance, I mean, what was it, so, the movie started in Toronto, right? That's where you premiered it. Yeah, so that was the world premiere, was in Toronto, and then, yeah, this was our. U.S. premiere. Yeah, well, it's fantastic. It's a great movie. Oh, um, it's so well balanced. And um, I know a little bit because you and I know each other through our kids, and we both have similar backgrounds as commercial directors and making transitions into features, which I want to talk about. But um, I want to talk about just the, the journey from the beginning of this, which started as a documentary. I don't know if everybody knows that. And can you just talk a little bit about how that all started? Because I remember you were doing a bunch of jobs and you kept saying to me, the thing that I'm really excited about is this doc I'm doing. And I said, well, what's this doc about? Well, and you I, said, there yeah. were many walks where I remember saying, how, how do I transition from commercials to features? Exactly. And obviously Will's done several. Um, so so yeah. this is like one of our dog walks, except for there's a bunch of people here. <laughs> right. So that's a good thing, I think. Um, yeah, you know, I had started this as, really it was never going to be a narrative feature to me. It was a documentary that um, was about my niece, Christina, and it was really a companion piece to help her get into college, and, and I did it as like a, really a short film because she didn't realize how extraordinary she really is, and um, and so I went, and she was like, I think she was 14th in the state of Nevada for uh, you know track, and and so I went, and I went to film that, and then I soon was able to kind of, I mean, I started to see a lot of stuff where I didn't had no idea how kind of um, incredible not only she was, but her family dynamic and and everything else. So then I just ended up, I kept filming this for about six years, and. 
um, I was working on another project with Jana Savage, my incredible screenwriter, and I think it was her, I think I showed her maybe some footage of the grandparents, actually. And then I think that was when she said to me, like, you know, this could really be a, a feature. And it wasn't something that I wanted to do because I just lived with this for six years. And I certainly didn't want to recreate the same thing. And so we started talking about ways that we could do this in a different way. And that's where sort of, you know, through a comedic lens, I think it, it became sort of like, um, I guess more accessible was, was what I was thinking potentially was, to an audience. Was Jana a comedy writer? Had she written things like, what was your background with her? Uh, I think she, yeah, I think she primarily has written comedy. But yeah. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know exactly. But, you know, we both share a very dark sense of humor, and so it became kind of apparent. I think it was a little bit of like, how do we balance our dark senses of humor with this quite, um, you know, emotional and extraordinary family. So I didn't realize it started as something to help her get into college. That's mm -hmm. unbelievable. And so the question I have, I have so many questions, by the way. I have a whole book full of chatbot questions that um, <laughs> I came up with. I didn't write them. But, um, but um, one thing that um, I'm really curious about is how do you balance the family? I mean, so how much did they know? How much didn't they know? When did you involve them? Had they seen the documentary? Like, yeah. how, can you just talk about that process? Sure. Because you're choosing to make a movie about, you know, essentially your family members, and that can always be a tricky thing. No, it was incredibly tricky. And I, I will say that the, the documentary um, really did help uh, Christina, and she ended up getting a full ride to college, which was kind of amazing. So that did sort of what it was meant to do. Um, and then in terms of the narrative, the family or the documentary, the family did see the doc, has seen the documentary. And, um, you know, we pushed pause on distributing it once the feature started to take hold. Um, and now we're going to be going out with that and trying to find distribution. But you're skipping the best part. I mean, what did the family say when they saw the documentary? Well, <laughs> we, we don't care about the distribution, Matt. We want the juice. We want to understand what happened. I think it's surreal for anybody to see their lives kind of on the screen. Yeah. And so it was um, Christina, my niece, ended up showing her parents. And she said they liked it. I, you know, I'm not exact. I wasn't there. I was there. when. So you hit out. Well, yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's no, smart. I think that it's, I think it's surreal. You know, I think it still is. And I know Christina loves the documentary and really wants to get her story out there. And we watched the feature with her and she laughed and she cried at the, you know, sort of all the right places. But I just think that it's got to be very, very surreal to kind of see yourself and in that way. And has the extended family seen the movie? I mean, in its finished form? Uh, some of the extended family has. Um, my mother-in-law is seeing it, I think, tomorrow. Wow. In the theater. Yep. Um, wow, that's exciting. Yeah, so I think a lot time. of them are excited to see it. It's going to be on Hulu soon, so a lot of them are going to be, uh, you know, super excited to see it on Hulu. Well, I'm sure they're going to be pleased and excited because it's beautiful and it's a real um, celebration of family in all different forms, and it's incredibly balanced. I think you did such a nice job as a director with balancing the heart and the humanity and the humor, and um, I was thinking when I was watching it, it was so good to see it a second time, and uh, of course to see it on this beautiful screen, but... You know, there's so many relationships that you handle so well, but also that you, it was so democratic. Like, it felt like you really dug into each of those. I kept thinking about all of these pairings and how they could be their own movie in a way. Um, you know, and to see Loretta and Peg in a scene, you just think, well, that's a whole movie, that's a whole road trip, Thelma and Louise situation, you know. And then you see, you know, um, B and Ethan, and that's a whole other thing. And um, I think you did a beautiful job balancing it. And 
that's not easy because often you can really feel sometimes where a focus is and where, you know, the relentlessness of a character or a storyline. I think the truth about families and, you know, is that everybody has a place at the table. And I think you did a really fantastic job as a director balancing that. Um, and I think not to mention how moving it was and how funny it was. Um, so oh, well, thank I, you very much. And I, I think that it was it was a real balancing act. And I think, even, you know, whether it was my family or, you know, or not, it really was. Um, it was exactly what you said. It was a celebration of, of love and family for me and this family that certainly loves to live and laugh. And and so I wanted to sort of do my best to bring bring that you know, out into the, for everyone to, to see. I mean, it's a real inspiration too for me, I, I feel like, and spending that time with them and getting to know them. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think it, yeah, hopefully I, I was able to do that because the, the balancing act was, that was the hardest thing for sure for me. And what kept me up at night was getting the tone right. Well, and I want to talk a little bit about casting because that's a, that's the secret sauce, I think, of the movie is you did mm -hmm. such a nice job bringing all of these actors together because, so... What was your casting process? I know Lisa Beach did some work on it with her associate, obviously, but yeah. who did you bring, like how did you pack the bench and who did you bring in first and who did you want to bring in first? You know, how did that work, the process of putting that all together? You know, it's, it's so funny because I'm sort of going through it now on a different movie and realizing that I got so incredibly lucky on this movie. Like nothing works like this. I just, I had all my first choices and and it, and it, I, I, you know, they said, yes, it was this incredible thing. I mean, I got Kiernan first and, you know, she read it very quickly, which, you know, very rarely happens. Never happens. And, you know, then we met like, I don't know, 72 hours later and we had coffee and I knew instantly that she, she was B. I mean, she has such an intelligence and. And she's a superstar. I mean, she's amazing. Had you seen her, you know, on Mad Men or like, did, what was your awareness of her? You know, I knew her from Mad Men and loved her from Mad Men. Then I watched some Sabrina. And then, I, you know, I think because she grew up at such a young age by growing up on the set of Mad Men, like my niece, who, you know, really kind of was an adult at age six or, you know, when she was paying the bills and taking care of her parents. So I found that there was some real similarities between them. And she's so strong. And then there's this incredible intelligence with both Christina and, uh, you know, Karen. And so um, I really got very, very lucky, but she was my first choice. And she really, I mean, I think one of the scenes that I think is such a testament to her as an actress is you have this pass by shot, which is the graduation moment. Mm -hmm. And it's just a montage beat of transitioning her. And the way that she looks at Dash Mihawk, you're thinking, well, she's just showing up in every way at every moment. Um, and it's really... I mean, she really had agency, and the fact that she was sort of their caretaker, but as an actress, she really held her own, which was perfect for the character. It's a very rare thing to be able to do that at that age, um, and I thought yeah. it was really special. I 100% agree, and then think about her, you know, sort of in a coma, essentially, listening to all these, like, incredible actors around her, and sort of just having to stay, you know, remain still and not, you know, because that, I think we shot that, that was something we ended up shooting really early. Um, well, that was another question I had, because what was your rehearsal time, if any? Because you should tell all of these people that, I mean, how, you had how many days to shoot this movie? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not advertising this, but it is the Director's Guild, and so I had 21 days um, And that's unbelievable. This. And it was, um, and we really had no rehearsal time. It was like, I, I ended up having the cast come to my house and, you know, sort of we all got to know each other, really they, and I was able to observe as we, we, made, uh, we made some food and they got to hang out as a family, which I think really 
um, was really helpful for everybody. Um, but yeah, we didn't, uh, there was no rehearsing time. I actually had it all planned out um, for the, in the hospital that it was going to be a one take. So it was going to be a six minute one take, which within, uh, I think within you know, two minutes of filming, I boarded like immediately because I had all these incredible actors reacting and I'm over here. And the, so I very quickly pivoted and, and started to cover that scene. It just wouldn't work. <laughs> well, at the risk of pivoting, um, what was the decision? So was the decision of her getting hurt and being sort of a passive observer and the listener and voiceover, how early did that happen in the script process with you and Jana? And was that based on anything from real life? Yes. Yeah, so, so my niece was in a coma and wow. that happened and we still to this day don't know exactly what happened. It was, um, it's, it's very, yeah, we don't know. And so she, um, that was something we talked about pretty early. We, we thought about how interesting it would be and we'd never seen that before where, and then we did some research and the, and the truth is you can be in a coma and you can actually hear what's going on. And so that's where that, you know, um, that was pretty early in terms of how we, and then, you know, and then it was like, I, I think we kind of didn't want it to be a mystery necessarily, but it, you know, I, we still don't know my, you know, in our family what happened. So um, I, thought, I thought that was an interesting way to, to go. You don't get to do voiceover when you're in a coma, though. That's a, that's a conceit. I just want to make it. Um, well, what was interesting about that was I was thinking about those scenes. So because there's so many of them that you keep coming back to, did you shoot that, I would imagine, in a specific time and place with them? I mean, how many days did you have to shoot the hospital? I think in the hospital we had four days and so I shot everything out, and then... And was that including the Eric Alexander cross-examination? Was that happening in that same location, the, the social counselor? Yes, yeah. that was all in that same location. So yeah, those yeah. were in those four days? That was four days, right. and yeah, and it, we were up against it big time. I mean... And at what stage, just out of curiosity, was that? Was that the beginning of production, middle, and... Beginning. Beginning. So you had all these actors yeah. there. I mean, that was... They were all on the call sheet that day. Um, and what's interesting is they're all sort of from slightly different schools of comedy. You know, mm -hmm. you have Jackie Weaver, who's amazing, but has a very sort of very strong presence. You have Dash, who's uh, I love so much, who I've worked with, who's like a secret weapon, mm -hmm. who has his own sort of vulnerability. Yeah. And then you sort of have kind of Charlie and Kiernan, who kind of come from more of a young sort of emotional place. Mm -hmm. So how did you, was it tricky for you watching that monitor that first day and watching that ensemble, you know, and this being your first feature, how were you with balancing all of that? Because I, again, the, the end result is perfect, but I would imagine that was a moment for you. Oh, for sure. I mean, that was, um, yeah, ha having that level of talent and not knowing necessarily where they go, you know, did, did one want to, ham it up more than the other or take the, all the kind of things that we've sort of talked about over the years. Um, it really, they really kind of treated it as an ensemble and that, that's the truth. And they all sort of came and, 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 and worked beautifully together. And I got very, very lucky with Dash Myhawk, who, um, I've been corrected. It's not Mihawk. It's Myhawk from I, I call him Mihawk. So <laughs> let's go with that. So he, uh, you know, he has Tourette's syndrome and now he's very vocal about it. Um, and we, and I think, because of his experience and, and Samantha Hyde, who has really never been in a feature before, and, and we did a, a worldwide casting for, you know, to find her. Um, and so she's um, autistic, and he really took her under his wing and was is such a gentle soul and, and really talked through kind of what it was like for him having a disability all these years and how amazing it, it is now for him to be able to talk about his disability. And Samantha is so vocal about her disability that it, 
It was really beautiful to see. And so he really was there for her, which was so helpful. That's very sweet. I was going to ask you about that because specifically in that scene, I wanted to talk about um, Samantha playing Sharon, which is such a beautiful performance. And that, you know, that she is um, neurodivergent, which is great. In, because there's that authenticity. Mm. In that scene specifically, I was wondering, that you have that moment when she's sort of coming to, and you really stay on her for that entire transition emotionally, which was heartbreaking and beautiful. And I'm wondering, was that planned, or was that a moment where you sort of found it, and you were letting you know, the performance lead the camera? Yeah, no, I'm so glad that you noticed that. Um, that, was, that was found, but during it, while I saw her, it was like, and I know you know Jeff Cutter very well. And, um, Jeff and, Cutter's the DP, who's fantastic. Yeah. Who, and I just remember like elbowing him, and it's like, stay, we have to stay on her. Stay, this is incredible what was happening. But now that was a totally in the moment, um, and we just stayed. And that was one of those times when it's like there was no reason to go to anybody else. Yeah, she was just was unbelievable. Yeah. And um, the balloon continuity alone must have been a nightmare. Um, <laughs> well, but did you, um, in, in, the, in those scenes, did you feel like, um, I mean, you must have felt like you were really getting the full snapshot because there weren't that many scenes with them all together. There was graduation, there was the table. Right, but I mean, you really get a sense of the ensemble in those hospital scenes, and it's it's really effective and strong. Um, talk about Jean Smart because I know she was early in the part process yeah, Jean, as well. Jean was early, um, and I mean, she obviously is just it's just incredible. I mean, I don't think, and I, I do feel like there was. I mean, I think Kiernan was the most maybe slightly nervous about Jean, and and but in the end, it was again, it was just like. Everybody worked so well together, and and I was and Jean was so gracious to do this. I know she was back to back. I think it was like things were going on for her, but she she really loved it. And well, it's interesting because Peg and Loretta are roles that are very important to the story mm -hmm. and very dynamic and interesting, and sort of the you know the puppeteers of kind of their as much as you can control your children. You can right, um, but. Um, <laughs> What's interesting is that the, it's not, those aren't huge roles on the page. And you got two fantastic actors for that, in Jackie and in Gene. And um, they really brought a lot. I mean, normally that would be, especially on a, a low budget film, you know, where you would never get um, access to those kind of, you know, that kind of talent. So. No, and I think, you know, they, they didn't see the documentary, but they did see, there was a trailer for the doc that I did share with them. And I think that, you know. They were I, fooled. <laughs> That's what you're saying. I mean, the thing is, they were able to see that that the people they were playing were actually so three dimensional and yeah. so kind of quirky and 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 um, and beautiful and and unique in their own way that I think if you just read the you know the characters on the page, it might be oh this may be cartoony and who actually is is really is like this. But then you sort of see that the real people that they were um, inspired by, and I think they were able to really see what they could then bring to it themselves. What um. I have some thoughts, but um, this is about you. Uh, what what movies influenced the movie? I mean, did you you know were there things that you watched? Were there things that you had grown up on? Were there seminal movies for you that somehow worked their way into this? Yeah, you know, it was um, Silver Linings Playbook. Kind of was one that I went back to a lot. You know, I think it was a it was so well done the way he handled. Uh, you know, mental illness, and I know that that was a very personal story for David. And so, I think um, to see kind of how he took a real, you know, sort of something that was so personal, and and was able to to handle it with such grace and and comedy and heart, um, 
that was kind of one that for sure I, I, I looked at. That makes a lot of sense. I was just thinking a lot about Alexander Payne, um, and oddly, with the kids a little bit, John Hughes, and I mean, I just feel like there was a lot in there that are the kind of movies um, and filmmakers that I love, and you don't, you know, it's been a while since Alex. No, and I, I really, I, yeah, I mean, that, that's 100% right. And, you know, going back to what you said about just kind of how there were sort of different stories happening, and I think one thing that I fortunately was able to do is just kind of allow some of these things to happen, some of the magic, like Kiernan and Charlie, it, was, it became really apparent pretty early that there was like a real connection there. And, and so just sort of allowing that to, 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 to just happen and, and for me to just have some restraint and just uh, stand back really, not get in the way. And, and then even with, you know, we ended up, Jan and I ended up writing a few scenes at the end of the days because Brad Garrett was so incredible and I wasn't expecting, I, I guess I just wasn't, I was so blown away by, by, by what he was doing. We ended up writing an extra scene for him. And so I think having that, um, being open to sort of, you know, if you can, at the end of each day, like, hey, let's like, you know, get together and figure out what what's working, what's not, what what is working. Let's lean into that. And I think that's a luxury. But um, yeah, it makes the difference. And you can see. Well, it. I, I thought actually, luxurious twenty one days. So. Yeah. <laughs> I thought um, Cannon, who played Nia, also was unbelievable. Um, who plays you know Kiernan's friend? I thought that was a great relationship and a lot of dimension to it, and um, yeah, sort of an unexpected she- connection. You yeah, t- completely. And and for Canon too, who ha- hadn't done that much. I mean, we did a big, you know, casting search to find her. And I knew uh, one of those kind of things too, which I know when you find somebody that you love, you just know. And so you continue to see people. But she was very much like I just knew it was her. And and she just, you know, she, I remember she stepped in and just, you know, she had no, didn't seem like she had any nerves and and really delivered also. The movie is so much about family, and it's obviously drawn on your family, but um, your family's also all over the movie um, because your son plays the (laughs) deviant that gets uh, her to buy alcohol for him, right, little Oliver. And Penelope, your daughter, has two beautiful songs in the movie um, that I was really blown away by. And I wanted to talk about the music because I think the music's great and very ethereal. um, And I think, you know, I want to talk about your music supervisors Lisa and Janet and also just your daughter doing music in the movie and just kind of what what drew you to the sound and the vibe because it, it, it's special and it feels very distinctive. I think that it's, you know, it comes down to like the budget and if you don't have the money then you go to your kids and have them write music. <laughs> I mean, you hope Well, you're lucky you have a kid that can do that. You're hope, I mean, yeah, you exactly. hope they're good. And yeah. um, Penelope, you know, you know, with Penelope, she... Um, it was really kind of amazing. She watched the movie. She obviously knows the story, but she didn't know this version of the story. And again, it's an inspiration. So it really is quite different. And she watched the movie, and she and uh, her friend Lola ended up writing the song for the credits at the end after, you know, after watching. And, and they were, I guess, in- inspired by it to write that incredible song. And then there's another song in the middle where... Um, the love song. Yeah. The love song or the first one? The first song when she, yeah, when, no, the first song when she's um, taking care of her parents. Yeah, yeah, went yeah. after the pool and she's the montage. Yeah, yep. Um, and that was another one where I think they, you know, came from watching the film and then and writing to it. Right. In the old days, we would go to Amoeba and buy the soundtrack. 
<laughs> I know. Well, is there a soundtrack? I think we are. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Morning Moon. Uh, some of the producers are putting oh, good. together a That's soundtrack. That's great. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I want to talk um, about where you shot, um, just because I know it's boring. But I was. I realized I have no idea. Um, I know you shot some of it in Las Vegas, right? You got to. Well, we shot like 24 hours. We had. Yeah, we, I was going to ask. That's not an easy shoot. So no, it was. We shot in um, Santa Clarita, which we made for kind of to be double for Henderson, Nevada. Um, and then we did, we went and with a kind of a very scaled down crew and we went to Las Vegas and I think we, I think we must've had a permit for our, you know, being on the strip, but then, um, yeah, it was very run and gun in Vegas for sure. I loved the way that you made the school look. That was such a great location. And I think, um, something, especially that's tricky with daylight and, you know, how to make that feel rich and distinctive. I think you did a really nice job. What, what was that out in Santa that Clarita? That was in Santa Clarita, too, yeah. And I remember um, we ended up, one of the days, we ended up taking, dragging, uh, I guess, Jean and Jackie to the public, you know, public school bathroom. That, and she, and even, we had no, it was honey wagons only, like there were no trailers. And so I just remember Jean, like, you know, smack, like kept the mosquitoes, apparently, that were buzzing around her. And so she's like, you know, whacking herself. And, and, and we're just sitting there as she was whacking mosquitoes. Then I drag her into this public bathroom. And I'm like, we got two hours, you know, to basically shoot that scene. And again, they just kind of were such troopers. And yeah. for being such legends, you know, I... A lot of your... Um some of your coverage, or a lot of it, is plays out in a two-shot, um, which is always great because it saves you time mm. um, and money. Um, but also your cast was really so um, adapted at handling that. Um, was that, I mean, did you feel like you were cutting left and right um, setups and moving through? And how did you deal with... You know, Jill and Carrie, your AD team, who's part of our guild here. Um, can you yeah. just talk about how you scheduled and how 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 quick did you have to recover from things? You know, I mean, it was extremely quick, and yes, I had to cut constantly, and and it was, um, you know, there are a couple. I do remember though, there was a Alexander Dario and Reed Scott. Um, in the house, there was a two shot that actually really bothers me still that I wasn't able to kind of go around and. I know the one. <laughs> you know, it's, um, but it's just one of those things. I mean, we had one day in that house to shoot, you know, that entire scene and then go in and do the pool stuff. And it was just a matter That was the Ben and Alex scene, right? Or the Alexander and, yeah. That was a fantastic scene, especially when he said, what does he say? He says something like, boo boo, you gotta, like, you have a, an ad lib from him at the end of that, yeah, or he yeah, says yeah. something about the. Yeah, well, Reed was always yeah, he was going yeah. off all the time. Which so you great. you cast Reed as yourself, huh? Interesting. I think I, I, think I, yeah. I see what happened there. Um, <laughs> version of myself. I can't believe we're wrapping up, but we're wrapping up. Um, I and do we have any quick questions? Um, from our great audience here. You guys, thank you so much for coming out, especially on this beautiful Saturday. Yeah. Um, yes, you in the blue. How are her parents getting along now? I'm repeating questions because you're not mic'd. Yeah, they're getting along beautifully. Um, my niece actually went off to college, and so she's going to be graduating soon. And yeah, they, I think it was like any empty nesters. I think it was an adjustment. And um, my niece had several dogs, actually, that she wasn't able to bring to college. So they took over like four or five of her dogs. And um, I think they've been keeping them busy. And yeah, they're, they're doing really well. Oh, that's great. Hmm. Did you? Yes. Thank you. How do you Asking about how you got the movie put together and how it was funded with this insane cast. He I means insane good, by the way. 
Yeah, you know, I think that it's it's one of those. I, it was just like um, getting struck by lightning. It was very very lucky, and we had a. I think because I had this material that people were able to see uh, in terms of you know, the 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 trailer, and then the story is very unique. And I I think it was just a one of those rare occurrences where people were available and interested and. And they read it quickly, and we got it made. And, you know, it was it was a, a labor of love for everybody, that's for sure. Matt is also a, an incredibly talented um, and accomplished commercial filmmaker um, and has done so for years and has a beautiful reel of work. And it's so nice to see all of this comedy and subtle observation that you're known for in the advertising space actually have room to breathe um, and grow. And... Um, I know this is going to be with far more famous moderators, one of many Q&As at your DGA. Um, but um, thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. And um, congratulations on such a strong debut, Matt. Oh, thank you very yeah. much. This is so, I, I just feel yeah. so lucky to have you. And, and yeah, thanks, yeah. Will. And thanks, everyone. Um, and please tell your friends because it's open now in theaters. And um, we need people to support the theatrical experience. Yes, thank thank you. you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share, subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America 